This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Floods, droughts, locusts, climate change. There is a lot going on in and around us in Africa and super fast. We are all seeing and feeling the effect it has on how we eat, move around and even how we can make a living. For this reason, join me, Sophie Mbogwa, a Kenyan environmental journalist, for a weekly podcast, The Africa Climate Conversations. Africa Climate Conversations aims at helping you understand what climate change is all about, how it affects you and your family, what is being done in Africa, and what you can do to adapt and mitigate to its impacts, no matter where you are in Africa. Hello. Welcome to this week's edition of the Africa Climate Conversations. I'm your host, Sophie Mbogwa. Last week, we started a series on COVID-19 and climate change in Africa. This week, we look at how COVID-19 has impacted economies on the continent. By yesterday, the 22nd of June, Africa had reported over 300,000 COVID-19 cases with over 8,000 deaths and over 146,000 recoveries. As of 4th of May, at least 42 African countries had put in place either a localized or national lockdown. So, to discuss COVID-19 economic impacts, I'm delighted to be joined by Mr. Stephen Karinge of the United Nations Economic Commission for Africa. Thank you, Mr. Karinge, for coming. Thank you so much, Sophie. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about you. Thank you. Uh, so, I'm Stephen Karingi. I am the director responsible for regional integration and trade uh, division at the Economic Commission for Africa. So, essentially, we, 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 we concentrate on uh, one of the key pillars or the key mandates of the Commission, and that is regional cooperation. So, we work closely with the African Union. It's building blocks the regional economic communities and, of course, the member states. And what we do is, um, at the moment, we are focusing on the big uh, project, uh, which is an Agenda 2063 project uh, called the African Continental Free Trade Area. Yeah. Uh, this has been a project that has been running for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And we believe that through the AFCFTA, we'll not only be able to create one market for the continent, but it's also going to be um, a big platform through which regional integration in Africa will be entrenched. Okay, we will be coming back to the Africa continent of free trade area. But before then, um, there is a UNECA report on COVID-19 in Africa that projected that COVID-19 economic impacts has the potential to deprive 19 million people of their livelihoods and push up to 29 million more people into poverty. Would you please unpack these projected economic impacts? Fortunately, I was part of the, the team that worked on this report, so mm-hmm. I do well how we arrived at uh, those numbers. Yeah. So uh, in a situation like this, the most that you can do is, um, because you cannot be certain, you come up with the scenarios. Mm-hmm. So we did a number of scenarios uh, where you call it uh, a best case scenario and a worst case scenario. Yeah. So the numbers you have quoted uh, from our worst case scenario yeah. as of April when we did these uh, projections, mm-hmm. whereby we said um, uh, if the situation continues uh, continued the way it was then, mm-hmm. the African economy was going to contract by about 2.6% uh, this year. 
-hmm. Now, that would actually be equivalent to a decline of uh, six percentage points in 2020 mm -hmm. compared to where we thought the economy would be if we did not have the, the pandemic. Now, most of this uh, economic shock happens to be coming through the trade channel. Mm -hmm. It also happens at a time when the African economy are not very strong in terms of the macroeconomy because they were already starting to feel the stress of uh, debt uh, servicing. Mm. And so when you see the numbers that we talk about uh, in terms of the job losses, it's because um, the private sector in the continent, especially in the services sector, mm -hmm. is being impacted in a very significant way by COVID-19 and where that is where those jobs are being, are being, are being shared, uh, in the tourism, in the transport sector, uh, with manufacturing sector, operating at below capacity. All that combined gives you those, um, those numbers in terms, of the, in terms of the job losses. And when it comes to the question of um, uh, poverty, mm -hmm. uh, as you know, um, there is, it is possible to be able to look at the responsiveness of the incidence of poverty mm -hmm. to economic growth and also to inequality. So in the short term, it is possible for you to, uh, to look at um, what would be the implication of a one percentage change in the economic output in terms of poverty. And because there is a, a negative relationship um, between uh, uh, economic output and uh, the incidence of poverty, yeah. because we are getting a, uh, a, a, a decrease or a contraction in our economy, mm -hmm. then the incidence of poverty increases. And since we know the uh, responsiveness or the elasticity, we're able to compute that number mm -hmm. of the people who are going to fall below the poverty line. But Sophie, the most critical thing also in relation mm -hmm. to, 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 to this issue of poverty yeah. is the fact that, you know, if somebody falls below the poverty line, mm -hmm. it matters how soon they get back up. It's sure. like when you fall, how soon mm -hmm. are you able to stand on your feet? Mm -hmm. Now, it so happens that um, in our report, we do indicate that um, those people who are going to fall below the poverty line, mm -hmm. the probability of them being able to get uh, above the poverty line again within the next decade, that probability is actually going to be small based on the evidence that we have in terms of um, transient poverty within the continent. What's that projection like? Because of the vulnerability of our, of our jobs, it takes much longer mm -hmm. uh, for poor people in Africa to get back above the poverty line mm -hmm. uh, after they fall below the poverty line. Yeah. And this is because of the vulnerable nature of the employment that they have, especially in the agricultural sector or even in the services sector in which they, 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 they work in. It's not like um, those who work mainly in um, uh, the manufacturing sector where jobs uh, tend to be less vulnerable to the point that uh, if you're working in the manufacturing sector and you have the right skills, uh, then it becomes easy for you to, to rise uh, back up uh, uh, than if it was uh, the kind of shock that we are witnessing now that is impacting especially the, the, the services sector. Mm.
And here, the poverty below the poverty line, we are speaking of a dollar ninety cents. Yes, yes. Okay. So before COVID nineteen, um, how would, was Africa projected to grow? Yes, uh, our projection was that uh, we were going to have um, uh, an expansion of the economic, uh, the African economy of um, three point two percent, at least above three percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now with the COVID, we are going to realize a contraction of um, 2.6%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is a decline of uh, almost 6 percentage points from where we thought we would be to where we are likely to end up. Mm-hmm. And this number of um, ECA, I think the, the recent number that I saw from the report of the World Bank was within the same range mm-hmm. of slightly uh, around 3%. Uh, contraction. So mm. it's a big hit, hit for, for, for the African economies. Um, as you know, the ability to mobilize domestic resources depends on your ability to, 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 to grow. Uh, and because the, 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 the domestic uh, revenues were already under stress within the African continent, or at least we do not do very well as a, as a continent in terms of um, collecting taxes, yeah. This contraction in itself makes it even worse uh, for the government in the sense that they do not even have enough money to be able to respond to the, to the pandemic. And that is why in our report you see uh, we call for $100 billion in terms of economic stimulus mm. for the African from the international community. And that is premised on the fact that um, the fiscal um, productivity for the continent was already weak. We had um, pressure in terms of uh, servicing our, our, our debt. And uh, now that we have uh, to save uh, human lives, mm-hmm. you need additional resources uh, given the, the stress of the COVID-19. And that is how those figures came about. Yeah, and, and, and staying with the country's ability to generate income tax, let's talk about the most affected sectors by the pandemic. Yeah, um, in terms of sectors, um, uh, I think the initial uh, sectors that were hit is uh, any sector that depends on um, uh, the export market. I think we immediately saw that um, the commodity producing sector, that especially the commodity producing economies, uh, were impacted significantly. And this is because of the question of um, reduced demand in the major markets uh, to which um, Africa sends its, um, its exports. Uh, so you had the shutdown in, uh, in, uh, in Europe. And so what that meant is that the demand for the, for the, for the crude oil, the, the demand for the, for, the, for the metals that are used in the value chain, the production processes of the automobile set, factories that were already, were already closed. Um, the, those sectors that depend on the export market for commodities, uh, on commodities, was significantly hit. And this was not just uh, the minerals, it was also uh, for, the, for the agricultural sector. Um, we shut down, uh, people could not go out for coffees, and so you had, um, and they could not go out for tea. So you actually see also um, the, uh, the potential of the, of the measures of the government uh, in the export markets for, for Africa. Uh, uh, translating themselves through the trade channel to reduce demand 
for, um, for exports, agricultural exports and other commodity exports from, um, within, from within Africa. Now, of course, there are a number of African countries that are heavily dependent on tourism, especially the small island developing states like Mauritius, like Seychelles, like Cabo Verde. Now, these are um, uh, African countries that um, today, uh, if you talk to anyone in Africa, they tell you these are middle income uh, and uh, tending to reach uh, African, African countries. But what the pandemic has demonstrated is that uh, these are also the most vulnerable uh, economies uh, within, the, within the continent. So the tourism sector has been hit very hard for those economies and for economies like Kenya, for economies like Egypt, Tunisia, Morocco. And as you know, the tourism sector um, is linked to many other services sector, especially mm -hmm. aviation. So you have um, um, the, the aviation sector, you have the Ethiopian Airlines, you have Mauritius uh, Airlines uh, fighting, almost fighting for bankruptcy, South African Airways, um, Kenya Airways asking for a bailout from the government, Air Maroc. So this is another sector that have actually been impacted in a very significant way mm -hmm. by, by, by the pandemic. Yeah. But, uh, but in all this, what we need to remember mm -hmm. is that there are jobs for people who are directly in these sectors, and also there are jobs for those people who depend on the performance of this sector for them to be able to provide their goods and services. Yeah. And there are those jobs for those people who supply to these to this, to this sectors. And I think that is the story that um, when it comes to, uh, to, to thinking about how do you help the economies to do today is mm -hmm. how do you save jobs, at least so that you do not lose all of them. And mm -hmm. as you start the recovery process, how do you ensure that uh, you rebuild in a way that the SMEs and um, the, the young people, the women, uh, do not lose out? Even as you give bailouts, are you giving them to the right people? And are they going to be used in rebuilding a sustainable economies? Absolutely. What about oil producing countries? We saw oil prices drop so low during the pandemic. First of all, uh, when, when the pandemic um, started hitting the oil sector, we have to remember there were two things that there was another thing that was happening then. Mm -hmm. We had this uh, spark between um, Russia and Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. Remember there was this where, where basically there was uh, no holds barred. No, you know, they, they, they went at each other in terms of saying, okay, we are not going to, to limit our, our, our output. And that combined with the demand uh, shock that uh, COVID-19 was already having, mm -hmm. we saw the oil prices um, uh, fall significantly. Oh. Uh, and, and so for, for, for Nigeria, as you see in our report, we indicated that uh, they had budgeted uh, their budget for, for 2020 yeah. with about $53, uh, $53 a barrel. And all of a sudden, you had uh, oil prices uh, falling uh, to about 20, in the range of $20 to the, to the barrel. Mm. And meant um, a whole of about $20 billion uh, based on what you had budgeted uh, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the budget uh, in, the, in, the, in the economy. And what this basically means is that um, 
um, those economists, uh, including uh, economists like Victoria um, Guinea, those economists, Angola, that depend on, um, on oil, mm-hmm. they need seriously in the rebuilding process to be serious about diversification. Mm-hmm. Now, because it's only then that you are able to withstand a shock, a shock like this. It's the same case even for those economies. Uh, like I gave you the example of um, of the of the small island developing states. Yeah. Even then, they diversify their economy, and this is where the 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 question of the African continental free trade area comes in, mm-hmm. because the African continental free trade area is basically creating one market. Yeah. And it has, a, and it's going to create the one market not only just for goods, but also for services. Mm-hmm. And so, as we think about rebuilding, the state parties to the African continental free trade area mm-hmm. need to move with haste in terms of um, implementing the AFCFTA, because it's only then that the kind of diversification through creation of regional value chains within the continent, that we are going to see the, the building of stronger, of stronger economies. Mm-hmm. Now, let me illustrate. Yeah. Now, for, for an economy like Nigeria, Nigeria has so much services, uh, capacity to offer. All of us are familiar with Nollywood. All of us are familiar with the strong financial services, the banks from, from Nigeria. Mm-hmm. We are aware of the strong human capacity, be it in terms of lawyers or accountants or scientists from Nigeria. Now, the African continental British area mm-hmm. offers an opportunity for Nigeria to be able to diversify its uh, exports through services export to the rest of the continent. Mm-hmm. And so that when you have a shock that is impacting on your... Um, exports of oil to the to the rest of the world at least you have something that is still holding and i think that is something that we have seen for those economies that have um good um, digital um, infrastructure and digital services they have at least been able to keep their economies going because that service sector the, the telecom sector has continued has continued to perform and also to facilitate the performance of the delivery of goods and services in other within within, within the economy, it mm-hmm. is um, creating those uh, strong shock absorbers, so to speak, through diversification, that um, countries will be able to countries will be able to recover. So the AFCFTA mm-hmm. offers through the opening up of the services sector an opportunity for Africa to diversify its, uh, its trade, not just goods, but also intra-African trade in services. The services that have uh, been prioritized, the five services sectors that have been prioritized, also happen to be services sectors that have been impacted significantly by COVID-19, mm-hmm. which demonstrates the urgency to be able to do this. But the COVID-19 has also demonstrated that we probably need to rethink whether um, we should not be services and health services as part of those services sector that we should also prioritize so that we do not have kids who are being left behind 
because they do not have ability to access education or families left behind because they do not have access to, to health. And lastly, as we rebuild, we have to, to learn lessons that uh, ICT or digital economy, mm. it's not something for the rich. It's not something that should be considered for the rich. As we rebuild our economies, we have to make sure that we do it hand in hand with um, the building of a strong infrastructure. Of course, being, um, being aware of the privacy and security issues that come with the digitalization, but this is one thing that is going to be very critical to the rebuilding and sustainability of our economies. Uh, and the AFCFTA mm-hmm. offers an opportunity for us to fast track the creation of um, uh, the, uh, the digital transformation of the continent by having um, a protocol on e-commerce and digital trade. And unfortunately, but unfortunately, COVID interrupted the June, uh, July trade commencement under the AF, uh, AFCFTA. In July. In You're July. right. I think it has been interrupted, but uh, you can understand from, um, from given that uh, we, the, the lives needed to be saved, I yeah. think, um, and I believe it was the right thing for the governments to do, to mm-hmm. concentrate on uh, saving lives. Mm-hmm. But I think this also is a reason why uh, once you have found that you can be able to work the way we are working now using mm-hmm. the digital infrastructure, mm-hmm. I think we have no reason why we cannot conclude the outstanding issues under the AFCFTA through a platform like this. Mm. And just to confirm the priority sectors under the African continent of free trade area, uh, there's financial services, tourism, transport, communication, and business, right? Yes, business okay. services. Okay. Talking of digital economy and the rise of innovations by the African youths that we have seen during the pandemic, what's the role this huge group that is the future for Africa hold in the economic recovery? Oh, I think this is, um, again, another reason why, even before the pandemic, there has been those who have made strong arguments Mm -hmm. that the e-commerce and digital trade and the digital economy are critical to the future of the continent. And this is premised on the fact that we have a lot of young people who are very innovative and they need to be given an opportunity and platforms for them to be able to realize their, 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 their potential. Now, in February, in the last summit of the African Union, mm-hmm. the African Union leaders endorsed what we call the digital transformation strategy. So even before the pandemic, the, the, the union uh, was already thinking about digital, digital transformation. Yeah. And so where we are at now is that we need to move quickly to implement the pillars of this digital transformation strategy, which includes things that are going to be very much um, useful to the realization of the full potential of the young people in Africa. It has issues beyond the digital infrastructure. It addresses the issue of uh, skills and um, training. It addresses the issues of uh, digital identity so that at least you're able to know whom you're dealing with and who are the owners of the businesses, yet producing services and goods that you are, that, that you are dealing with. I basically want to say that um, the digital transformation strategy for the continent is there. A few countries have already started uh, domesticating it. Kenya has one. 
Mm. Yesterday, the cabinet here in Ethiopia passed a digital digital transformation strategy for the for, for Ethiopia. Rwanda has one, Togo has one. So I think uh, many countries are moving in the right direction, mm-hmm. and this is going to be very critical and useful for them for 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 the youth. And I think the AFCFTA provides a platform through which that their skills, their innovativeness can actually be optimized, um, both in terms of designing goods and also in terms of um, creative economies and everything that goes with uh, what we see with our young people doing, doing today. I'm wondering, as nations think of recovery, to what extent do we need good governance and political will uh, to take advantage of all the benefit that the free trade area brings? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Now, first of all, um, after, the, after the report that um, we are discussing, this report on the socioeconomic impact, mm-hmm. we also published another report uh, on um, uh, exit strategies for Africa uh, from uh, the lockdowns. Mm-hmm. There is yeah, a second yeah. report. Yeah, yeah, sure, second. sure. Sure. And, and, and in that report, in that report, we have a section on governance. And the reason why we have that um, a report on uh, on governance is mm. um, is the fact that the African governments, uh, most of them have uh, they have mobilized their legislature, mm-hmm. um, all of government systems, and through that they have reallocated budgets. Uh, so that they can be able to deal with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Now, it is important that um, after the fact, the African citizens are able to see that the reallocations that were made were used the right way, so that we do not have a situation whereby uh, people cry by saying that, yes, it, during the pandemic, the money that was um, moved from this sector to this sector was not utilized in the right way. That's, that's the first thing internally. Mm. Now, we want to make sure that if you are giving a stimulus, you do not just give a stimulus just to the big businesses. You also think about the small businesses because mm. most of the African economies uh, depend a lot on most of the employment is within the, the SME. So there's a big question of governance um, governance there. Yeah. Similarly, in our report, we call for a debt standstill. Mm-hmm. And essentially, what this debt standstill is, the fact that ministers of finance and parliaments had already voted for resources that were going to go for debt servicing, mm-hmm. yet for interest payment and principal repayment. So with the debt standstill, the idea is that instead of this money being sent back, to the lenders, that money is used in the interim, in the immediate, uh, in the immediate and now, mm-hmm. to deal with pandemic issue. Now we also want by doing that, you are you also need to make sure that wherever that money had come from in the first instance, wherever you had borrowed it from, and especially if it had come from taxpayers in another in another country, you also want to make sure that you are accountable. You do not misuse the money that had actually been lent to you, to you, to you as, a, as an economy, and now you have been given a bit more time to use those repayments to deal with the, with the pandemic. So there is a question of governance there mm. when it is 
when it comes to 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 to, to the use of those uh, those resources. So we have we have um, been uh, very clear on on that question, and uh, we are not reinventing the wheel. I think uh, the African civil society, the African uh, citizens, including government, there are a lot of infrastructure that has been put um, both public and private yeah. to ensure that there is governance in the use of the resources. Finally, what is your advice on the way forward for nations to consider as they think of recovery? It is important that as African countries um, think of um, uh, rebuilding uh, and recovering from the, from the pandemic. Uh, it is done in such a way that we do not go back to the kind of economic structures or economic um, uh, production systems mm. that were not climate conscious. So we, we argue strongly for a climate conscious um, uh, recovery. Mm-hmm. And it is that question of climate conscious recovery that the building back better thought uh, is, um, is going to focus on, yeah. uh, which is very much in line with what uh, the United Nations and the international community, there seems to be an emerging consensus that we need to, to take advantage of uh, rebuilding back. Uh, to look for climate neutrality, or at least um, uh, do the right do 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 the right do the right thing. That was Dr. Stephen Karinge, the director for regional integration and trade at the United Nations Economic Commission for Africa. Thank you so much, Mr. Karinge, for your time. Thank you so much, uh, Sophie. Remember, you can contribute to this podcast via email info at sophimbogwa.com, or you can just leave a comment on my website sophimbogwa.com. As you listen, remember to subscribe and share. Until next week, Kwaheri, do have yourself a safe and productive week ahead. Floods, droughts, locusts, climate change. There is a lot going on in and around us in Africa and super fast. We are all seeing and feeling the effect it has on how we eat, move around and even how we can make a living. For this reason, join me, Sophie Mbogwa, a Kenyan environmental journalist, for a weekly podcast, The Africa Climate Conversations. Africa Climate Conversations aims at helping you understand what climate change is all about, how it affects you and your family, what is being done in Africa, and what you can do to adapt and mitigate to its impacts, no matter where you are in Africa. Inaendeshwa na Afripods.